And God's people said, Amen. please turn with your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 5. We'll be looking at one verse that summarizes this incredible truth that our Savior lives and what He has done for us. Will you ushers hurry up? I'm ready to preach. I guess there's more people here to pass to than every Sunday. It's great to see you all here. You know, as all, all those pictures of Jesus were morphing, one thing came to my mind. It's great to know that He's never changing. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our pictures of Him may change. Our understanding may grow. But our Savior never changes. And our Savior never dies. He lives and He reigns and He rules forever. So as we begin, will you join your hearts in prayer? Let us pray together. Oh, Father God, if there were ever a Sunday where we needed to hear from your Son, the Son who lives and reigns, your eternal Son, your Son who became our sacrifice, if it was ever a day to hear from Him, it's today, Easter Sunday, when we celebrate the reality that He does live, that the tomb is empty. So, Father, I ask, I beseech Thee, that You would come and You would fill this room with Your Son's Spirit. That, God, You would be pleased to speak through a broken sinner who desperately needs to hear the message in which he's about to preach. And Father, that You would open up our ears to hear the voice of our risen Savior. That You would open up our minds for us to understand the truth that Jesus lives and that He reigns that You would soften our hearts to embrace and apply this truth to our lives. And that, God, that You would empower our feet to walk in a manner worthy of the Gospel, in a manner worthy of the reality that our Savior does live and reign. And He lives to intercede for us. And Father, we pray this morning that You and You alone would receive glory through the preaching of Your Word, and that we would receive great joy and great encouragement. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Have you ever felt trapped? I mean, really trapped. I mean, feeling trapped is a terrible feeling, especially for those of us who are claustrophobic. And maybe uh, experiencing being physically trapped. Have you ever had that experience? Maybe being in a car that was in an accident and you were unable to free yourself and physically you were trapped? Maybe financially trapped. Maybe, maybe a mountain of debt that is shackled to you that you at one time, or maybe even now, that you just can't seem to dig yourself out of and you're in a financial hole and a financial trap that you don't seem to be able to get out of. Maybe it's relationally trapped. Maybe it's in a relationship that, that's gone bad and, and you don't see a way out. You don't see a way out of that situation where you can free yourself and you just feel trapped. For many of us, it's being emotionally trapped. Something that's happened in the past, some horrific event that has chained us and that haunts us and that continues to live in our memories and we just seem trapped we seem trapped to the past and emotionally we're in bondage. 
Maybe it's vocationally trapped. I know it's true for many of you. Maybe you feel like your job is, is turned down a dead-end street and, and really as you go there, there's, there's no joy for you. There's no life for you there. It just kind of the mundane is slowly killing you. Many of you feel vocationally trapped, but maybe just trapped in your stage of life. Maybe you're a young mom with kids who seem to be draining all of your energy or in a marriage that seems to be taking away all of your joy. Maybe it's for those of you who are single. Maybe it's uh, feeling trapped in your singleness. Wondering, God, are you ever going to provide a mate? Maybe for you teenagers, you feel trapped in that transition from, from being a young adult to a real adult to an adult. And maybe you feel trapped in the, uh, the favor of your peers, the acceptance of your peers. Each one of us has felt trapped at some point in our lives. In a room like this, many of you this morning come here feeling that you are pinned in, that you are trapped. And there's such good news. Easter Sunday is our greatest hope, our living hope. And the hope for us is this. There's a way out. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, Peter is going to summarize the gospel for us. And he's going to tell us that there is hope, that there is a way home. There is a way out. There is a way to freedom. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. Let's be mindful that we're reading God's very word. God made him, he made him, made Jesus. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Let us pray. Oh God, with power, open up our minds to understand this one little verse so that we can be set free. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Aaron Rolleston knows what it's like to be trapped. Three years ago this month, Rolleston, 27 at the time, went on a five-day holiday in Utah. And he was going to go canyoneering. He was going to go exploring canyons in the southeast corner of Utah for about five days. He was an expert at this. He was an expert climber. He knew canyons. And one of the things he loved to do was to climb alone. And in April 26, 2003, Aaron decided to go canyoning on his own. He navigated his way up the Blue John Canyon and came to what he described as later a piece of cake, a mere three meter drop. Eschewing ropes, he decided to climb down using a boulder that seemed to be wedged between two rocks. He knew that he could do this. And he thought that that boulder was secure. And so he thought, I'm going to use this boulder. I'm going to get down. And in a flash and in a moment and in panic, that boulder was not securely wedged. And that boulder that weighed some 400 kilometers, kilometers, uh, no, kilograms, about 900 pounds. It weighed 900 pounds. We don't know metrics here. It weighed 900 pounds. It's a good story. 
The boulder that weighed 900 pounds in a moment in flash, it pinned him. It fell on him. And it crushed his arm. And there we were stuck in the canyon wall. Immediately he thought, get your hand out. And he yanked it three times to no avail. He truly was trapped. He was trapped for six days. And the fourth day he ran out of water. Being an expert in climbing and knowing many uh, tools and many resources to try to free himself, he tried to pick himself away using a, a pen knife to pick away at this boulder. It didn't work. He tried cutting away his skin. He even rigged a pulley system to move the rock, but nothing worked. He took a video of himself. That's a picture of him on the far right there being trapped. He had a video camera. And he was filming what he thought might be his final fatal documentary. Saying goodbye. Saying goodbye to his mom and dad and giving his last will and testimony. On the fifth day, he says that he heard a voice in his head. I don't know about you, but I'd be hearing a voice in my head probably on the first day. But he heard a voice in his head and what he describes as an epiphany. And the voice said, break your own arm. So using his body weight as a lever against the boulder, he snapped the ulna and the radius bones, one after the other. And he said the snap of the vi- crackled through the canyon. Having made a tourniquet, And using a pocket knife, Aaron then cut away the skin, the tendons, and the arteries. He amputated his own arm below the elbow to free himself. Here's what he said about that. He said, to me, the amputation is the most beautiful experience I've ever had in my life. Because it comes from the contrast of being dead in my grave for six days and then having my life back. Aaron Ralston was willing to pay the ultimate price, amputating his arm, for the ultimate price. His life. His freedom. He said this about the pain of that experience. And I can't imagine. I mean, this, this, was a, this was an experienced climber. He knew what it was like. He knew the pain of climbing. And yet he says this. He says, overall, it was a hundred times worse than any pain I've ever felt before. It recalibrated what I understood pain to be. I would imagine. At the same time, listen. At the same time, It was the most beautiful thing I ever felt. What is pinning you down? I mean, what in your life is really keeping you from living? And and what are you using to try to set yourself free? Some, looking for freedom, have amputated their marriages. Amputated their marriages trying to find life and freedom. Some have amputated their families, believing that 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 is what is holding them back. If they can just be set free from that reality, they can truly be free. Some young people 
have amputated their morals, believing that their morals is that which is holding them back from real life. But none of these things can truly work. None of these things can truly set us free. In and of ourselves, we must understand this reality. In and of ourselves, we do not have what it takes to set ourselves truly free. Death entombs us all. And for all of us, what is pinning us? What is holding us back? What is causing us not to be able to live and live abundantly is sin. Sin is that boulder. Sin is that boulder that has crushed us. Sin is what is pinning us down. But there's such good news. What we cannot do, what we cannot do free ourselves from that sin that has trapped us, what we cannot do, Jesus Christ has done for us. Rolleston used a pocket knife to set himself free. Jesus Christ used a Roman cross to set us free. Jesus was willing to pay the ultimate price. Look again at 2 Corinthians 5. God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. Rolleston said this. It was interesting. He said, I wanted to simply rid myself of any connection to this decomposing appendage. I don't want it. It's not a part of me. It's garbage. Listen, for us to truly understand the Easter story, for us to understand the full weight of what Jesus Christ has done for us, we must realize that Christ became that decomposing appendage. He became garbage. He was cut off, amputated, so we could live. Scripture says this, for God took him who knew no sin. And what does it mean by that? That there was nothing that was holding Jesus back. There was nothing that was pinning him down. He had no sin that was keeping him from truly living. He was living. He was not being held back. And the only one who ever lived who knew no sin, God took him who knew no sin to become sin. For us to get this, we got to realize that Jesus became our sin. You know that darkest secret? You know those places that you've gone on the internet? You know those things that you've done that you're ashamed of? You know that sin? Jesus became our sin. Jesus became a dying appendage. Jesus became garbage. Who likes to hear that? I mean, really, I want to hear about a Savior who lives and who's clean and who's holy. But the reality of Jesus Christ, the reality of Easter, the reality is, is God took the perfect Holy One, the One who was sinless, and He became our sin. And in the Father's eyes, He became our garbage. We had one of the most poignant, Holy Spirit-soaked services we've ever had at Orangewood this last Thursday. If you were here at the Monday Thursday service, it was unbelievable. I mean, the Spirit of God was here. And one of the things that we did 
this last Thursday is we gave you all an opportunity to confess your sins. And we gave everybody a, uh, an envelope. And in that envelope was a three by five card and a nail and a pencil. And we had this cross right here in the center. And we asked people to say, hey, before we come to communion, we realize that Christ died for our sins. If you would like to come and nail your sins to the cross, come. And I got to tell you, it blew me away. I mean, I couldn't believe the line of people that were coming. There were young people. There were old people. People who were new to the church. People who had been here forever. And I sat there as a pastor. And my heart was broken as I saw the sheep, my sheep, come and confess their sins and drive it into the cross. See, there's a picture of what that became. There it is. There there are our sins nailed to the cross. But the reality is this, that we cannot lose. He became, listen, He became those sins. He became that dying appendage. He became that garbage. He was amputated. He was cut off so we can live. So we can have life. And life abundantly. He was willing to pay the ultimate price so that we can receive the ultimate reward. You see, Orangewood, he became our sin on the cross. It's our picture there. And until we understand that, we don't fully get the Easter story. Do you see yourself at Calvary? Do you realize that he did become your sin? And once we see our faces there, once we realize that yes, he was cut off for me, the grossness and the garbage in my life he has paid. And therefore, we can live. Oh, Orangewood, he died for us on that cross of Calvary. He paid the ultimate price so that we could receive the ultimate prize. It says this, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. There's nothing like the joy of freedom. There's nothing. Once you finally get out of that which has been pinning you down, once you finally get out of that automobile that you were trapped in, once you finally get out of that financial debt, once you finally get released from that which has been entombing you, wow, what joy. What joy is to be set free and to be truly living. Well, we receive the ultimate prize because what is holding us back, what is entombing us is sin. And at the cross, and the reality of Easter is this, sin's power is broken. Christian, rejoice. Listen, no longer has sin, does, does sin have a fatal grip on us. We are free. Christian, we are free from the bondage of sin. We're free. But there's more. Not only just freed from the bondage of sin, but we've done some pretty rotten things in a holy God's sight. We deserve His displeasure. And really, the holy gaze of God who sees all of our life, He sees all of our thoughts. He knows where we've been. He knows what we've said. He knows what we have not done, what He's asked us to do. He knows the filth. He knows the stench. But there's no more guilt. Listen, in the reality of the cross, and the reality of Easter is this. God has paid the price. We don't have to live our lives anymore with our head down. We don't have to walk around life saying, I'm guilty, I'm guilty, I'm guilty. Because he paid the price and sin's guilt is gone. Christian, there's no more shame. He wants our dignity back. He bought back our life on the cross. But you know what else he bought back? He bought back our dignity. 
Now that we can live and truly live, live abundantly, yes, the sin of our past, even the sin of our present is heinous, but it's been paid for. We can live our lives with our head held high saying, yes, I'm a sinner, but it's paid for. No more guilt, no more power of sin. Sin's debt has been paid. The wages of sin is death. And Jesus was in the tomb. He paid the price. He was cut off. But because he lives, we're free. What an incredible story. It says this. It says, he took him who knew no sin to become sin so that we could become. You ready for this? So that we could become. You ready for this? So that we could become the righteousness of God. Now here's what this means. God sees us not only have been cleansed in Christ's blood, God sees us clothed in his son's righteousness. What does that mean? It means this. It's not just that we've been wiped clean. It's not just we're the blank slate. God sees us with his own son's righteousness. He sees us as perfected in Christ. He sees us as if we have fulfilled the law perfectly, those of us who are his. He sees us as if we have done everything right. But even more than that, we have more than just the righteousness of man. God has given us through this incredible transaction of taking Jesus and making him our sin. He makes us, his children, his righteousness. We have the righteousness of God. Is God pleased with us? For those of us, he's granted faith. For those of us who have been cleansed by Christ's blood, not only have we been set free of the debt of sin, we have been clothed in his righteousness. We live and truly live. He sees us and he rejoices. Why? Because he sees his son's righteousness. Hallelujah. Amen. Does that not give us joy? We have received the ultimate prize. We have received the righteousness of God. You know what he's done? He has taken that sin that that has entombed us and he has obliterated it. And now he says, listen, you're free to go home. You're free to walk out of the cave. You're free to walk out of the cave that entombs you, the sin that entombs you. Walk out into the light. You are free. This tone has been rolled away. Why stay in the cave? Why let sin continually entomb us? Why play around with the rocks of this life, the rocks of materialism, the rocks of pornography? Why play with that which will continue to entomb us? We have the power of the the resurrection inside of us. Can you imagine Aaron having amputated his arm, finally being set free, and then deciding, you know what, I'm going to stay right here in the cave. Kind of nice. You know, it's kind of cozy in here. I'm just going to stay right here. okay, now I'm free. I'm going to remain here. And of course he didn't. What did he do? He got free so he can go home. He got free so he can get out of the darkness and move into the light. That is what happens to us Christians. God has rolled open the tomb. He set us free so that we can walk in the light. And some of us have a tendency to remain in the tomb. Get out. You're free to go home. Do you know that it took 13 people four days It took 13 people four days using pulleys and jacks to retrieve Ralston's hand. They said it looked like a withered black glove. Can you imagine how crazy it would be to try to find life again in that dead limb? Can you imagine how crazy it would be? He took this back to the doctor and said, hey, can you you reattach this? I, I really want this. 
Well, how crazy is it for us to believe that we can find life in what God has cut away, and that's sin. The only life we'll find, listen, the only life we'll find is in Christ. And not in that sin that has been caught away. That dead limb of sin that Jesus became. We need to walk in the light. We need to walk in the light and we're now free. Christian, we're free to walk home. He's opened up heaven for us. Not only has Jesus been willing to pay the ultimate price, He became our sin. So we receive the ultimate prize. We become the righteousness of God in Him. Now we have the privilege of being in the ultimate rescue. Aaron Ralston's story has caused many to write to him and say, wow, your story is giving me inspiration. Your story's touched my life. He talked about those who were ready to commit suicide who said, your story of what you have done has turned around my whole life. And he started to feel the weight of that story. He started to feel it as kind of a burden. He said this, it is kind of a burden. It's a very heavy thing. It gives me a great sense of obligation then to know my story has this kind of power. Christian, we too have a sense of obligation to tell our story. Not out of guilt. Not out of a burden. But we have the greatest story to tell. We need to tell the story of our rescue. we got to tell the story of how the cross of Christ, not a pocket knife, but how the cross of Christ has saved us and set us free. And we need to use every tool available to free others. Orangewood, I'm so proud of this church. I'm so proud of the fact that God has called us and we realize that God has called us to be a rescue team. If He's rescued us through the power of the cross, now He's calling us to go and to rescue others. And go and tell them the reality that Jesus does live. And that boulder of sin that's pinning their lives so they can't really live. There's good news that Jesus does come. And He has come and He does live. And they can be set free. And whatever tool that Jesus has given you, whatever gift that you have, God wants you to use it to set others free. He wants us to join together. Now the only tool ultimately will work we know is the cross. But we have to look into our lives and say, God, how have you uniquely gifted me? And how can I be a part of this rescue effort? I want you to know I am so pleased with a church that has C2 groups, small groups that that put on 5K races to tell the good news of Christ that he lives. Small groups that put on Easter egg hunts. I'm so proud of a church that would build the Franklin House, the Harmon House, the Demarest House. I'm so proud of a church that has a living nativity that proclaims to our neighbors that Jesus came and was born and He lives and He reigns. I'm so proud of all that we are doing to tell the story of rescue. And that's what God has called us to. If you're here and you're His, you're part of the story. If you're here and you're His, He wants to use you to free others. And He's uniquely gifted you to do that. And He's called us to do it together. Rawlinson says this, I believe my purpose on this planet is to express my soul. To figure out what it is that's going to fulfill my soul's desires. And doing that, I find happiness in my life. Listen, whoever you are here, you have been made by God. You are in His image. And for each one of us, there's one thing that is true. 
We only can find our soul's desire in Christ alone. The one who has made us and the one who has redeemed us and the one who has set us free. Are you trapped today? Do you want to find life and life abundantly? Do you want to find your soul's desire? It can only be met in God. And it only can be met in Jesus Christ through what He has done on the cross. And that desire lives and reigns today because He lives and reigns today as well. What do you have that you need to be rescued from this morning? What tomb do you find yourself in this morning? There's such good news. The door is open. The rock has been rolled away. Rise and walk. Rise and live. Get out of the tomb. Taste the freedom and experience the joy. He lives. He lives. He lives. And so that we can live too. Aaron's story. What an incredible story of the power of the human will. The Easter story. Listen, the Easter story is the Christian story and it's the power of God. Are you a part of that story? Or are you just an observer? Has everyone here received his prize? Don't leave here without receiving his prize. It's the prize of life. It's the prize of freedom. It's the prize of the righteousness of God. And for those of us, by God's grace, who have received that prize, use it. Use that prize for the glory of Christ. Use that prize to free others and bring our families, our friends, and our neighbors to salvation. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, we thank You for the incredible love that You have lavished upon us those who deserve Your wrath. Instead of Your wrath, You have given us Your love. And we so clearly see Your love in the face of Your Son. Oh Jesus, we thank You that You were willing to pay the ultimate price for us. Not just severing Your arm, but becoming our sin on the cross so that we can become the righteousness of God, so that we can have life and life abundantly. Oh, what love You've lavished on us, Father. Oh, what love You've lavished on us, Son. Oh, what love You've lavished on us, Spirit, so that we can truly live. God, I pray for anyone here this morning who has not received the ultimate prize, that is trying to pay the price themselves. God, be gracious to them and reveal to them the boulder in their life that is trapping them that they cannot get away from is their own sin. But there is a way out. and There is a way home. And it's Jesus, Your Son. Oh God, I pray for anyone here who's yet to receive that prize, prize, that even today, even now, that they would confess their sin and turn to You, Jesus, as their Savior. Embrace the reality that You live and You became their sin so that they can receive that ultimate prize of life and life abundantly. And God, for the many here this morning who have that ultimate prize, Your righteousness, God, would You cause us to live in a manner worthy of this light. God, don't allow us to live in the darkness of a cave. Let us walk into the light as we walk home and one day see Your face and truly be home. Father, may this community 
be a community that lifts others up for the glory of Christ and is a community of rescue so that others can come and worship the Savior that lives. We pray this in His powerful name. Amen.